November is Perinatal Anxiety and Depression Awareness Week. Hello, I'm Emma Walsh, the CEO of Parents at Work. Thanks for joining us today for this exclusive podcast. I'm delighted to be speaking with Arabella Gibson. She's the CEO of the Gidget Foundation. Now, they're a not-for-profit organisation who are dedicated to supporting new parents' wellbeing. Let's get real about what it means because parents' mental health and wellbeing is serious. And we'd like to share with you and your family ways to look after yourself and others who you might know that are in need of support. Hi, Arabella. Thanks for having this conversation with me today. It's Perinatal Mental Health Month this month, and that's during the week of the 10th to the 16th. So the obvious place to start is, can you tell me what the word perinatal means and just explain to us what perinatal anxiety and depression actually is? Yeah, absolutely, Emma. Um, So perinatal is the period from conception through to one year postpartum. So it includes both the antenatal period and the postnatal period. Um, And usually perinatal depression and anxiety is something that goes beyond the typical baby blues and really shouldn't be confused with the baby blues because um, it's a much more uh, serious illness. But luckily it is one that with the right treatment you can recover from. Yeah, so it's funny you should say that because I know you have twins, so do I, and I remember thinking when the twins were two, gosh, um, forget, you know, um, you know, postnatal depression, I call it the post-two depression. It was so hard when they were um, toddlers. I remember really feeling that intense, you know, feeling of um, I just can't do this anymore. You know, that were two years in, this is really hard. You know, where do I go from here? Because I can't see that there's going to be, you know, an, an easy road. I can see there's years ahead of this being difficult and I could see it, you know, um, unravelling as much as I loved it. And and I remember thinking then, gosh, you know, um, is this what this is? You know, what what is it? So, I mean, how common is it for people to present later? It's um it's actually one in five new mums, um, and surprisingly, one in ten new dads will also experience perinatal depression and anxiety. So, it is really common. But as I mentioned, with the right treatment, you can get better. But um, usually, there's certain uh, I guess risk factors at play as well that might indicate that you know a certain mum or dad might be more inclined to experience. Um, you know, depression or anxiety during this period. So it can be things like um, a perfectionist or kind of controlling personality, someone who likes to stick to their routine. And I think when you have a new bub or in our cases, you know, two new bubs <laughs> at once, um, it can be tricky because routines kind of go out the window and this brand new little bub that um, is a delight and absolute joy can also be incredibly stressful because it doesn't actually do what it's meant to do when you want it to do it. Um, So that can add, you know, stress. And then there's a range of other kind of factors as well that can be, um, you know, put somebody at more risk than others. And they're things like um, other stresses like to do with finances or um, emotional stress with, you know, a relationship that might be tricky between family or, or a partner. Um, certainly uh, we, we know that 
fertility issues can be um, an indicator as well. So things like um, unplanned pregnancy or multiple miscarriage or perhaps if someone's had a recent death in the family um, and also things like IVF and fertility struggles and um, and, and also um birth trauma can be another one so there's kind of a lot of stresses that can add to those feelings that can bring them on Um, and usually it's also um, a a lack of support or some previous mental health issues as well that that can be indicators so things to look out for absolutely yeah I mean and there's there's quite a few and when you name those I think gosh you know I think most people could identify with one of those things being challenge gosh you know from everything from birth trauma through to finances I remember thinking gosh I should have you know owned a chemist when I I (laughs) spent my whole time in a chemist um uh, spending a lot of money on on that and being yeah worried about how I was going to continue to we were definitely a dual career income couple how were we going to manage all these finances you know as you said two babies at once Um, You know, and I was lucky that nothing was uh, physically wrong with uh, our twins, so many twins um, and other, you know, not just twins, but obviously other babies are born with challenges, um, you know, health and otherwise, and same with the parents. So there are just so many factors that you may, actually, it's quite a miracle that any of us um, (laughs) walk away from those first years. I know. I mean, the funny thing is, is that everywhere you look, all over the world, people have babies, people have children, and all over the world with all these different, um, I guess, challenges to deal with, people do it, and they do it they do it well a lot of the time. Um, so, you know, I think we need, do need to normalise it and say that, you know, a lot of these risk factors that I mentioned before, they are normal parts of life. Yep. And I think it's just when they 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 become too, too many stresses and all at once, they can be tricky. And I think that's where having some really good support networks in place and even just thinking about these things before you have a baby. I think we focus so much on the physical health of both mum and bub that we forget to think about, well, what actually happens after the baby's born? What, what are the challenges that I need to get my head around that all of a sudden I'm actually responsible for this human and kind of start thinking about it in a way that we kind of build our emotional intelligence up front rather than kind of doing it backwards. <laughs> yeah, I agree. Let's just talk about support for a minute because obviously, you know, the Gidget Foundation exists to provide that kind of support. You know, what are the kind of things that you're doing um, to help treat um, this kind of um, perinatal me- mental health issues? And then secondly, what do you think the community should be doing and that and I use the word community because that involves all of us so I, I, first I totally agree it is the community that we need to be um uh, I guess corralling together as a group to um support families mm. um we have a tagline it's called start talking but also we firmly believe in the concept of listening as well so listening is is really a key, and um, I think that you know certainly grandparents and and siblings um, of the of the parents that is, and friends can can just 
listen to what's being said by a mum or a dad and and being alerted if there's something that doesn't sound quite right or because quite often people are trying to reach out but they just don't know how and there's a lot of denial and fear and shame um, around this issue and I think that understanding that if we listen to what people are saying, pick up on those kind of little um, notes that they might have, have mentioned and then responding by looking at ways you can support them or help them or just be an, an ear or take them for a walk or make them a meal. Um, there's lots of ways that you can support and help people but probably the critical thing is to, to get them to understand that they need to see a GP because a GP can officially diagnose perinatal depression and anxiety and a GP can look at what support services there are out there in the community that might help that person and that can be a range of different things. Um, it can be uh, a supportive um, therapeutic group. For example, we run something called Gidget Village uh, where we have a number of new parents that we bring together and we take them through a 10-week program to um, support each other but also get support from a clinical psychologist and, and co-facilitator. And that works beautifully on a, on a, on a kind of one-to-one -one basis. We have a number of other programs that look after new parents um, through clinical psychology work as well. One is a face-to-face -face program uh, and that's done through our Gidget House model. And our Gidget Houses, we've actually got nine now and they are all over New South Wales with one in Queensland as well. And what we offer is 10 free clinical psychological sessions. So they're fantastic if you're able to get to a Gidget House location. Um, similarly, though, if you are um, like you and I, Emma, might have multiple babies or you might live um, in regional, rural or a remote part of Australia or you're simply too far away from a Gidget House or you can't find local support, then we offer another service, which is our video telehealth uh, counselling service and that also offers 10 free sessions um, so I guess new mums and dads they can get in contact with us at the Gidget Foundation we can work out which program is going to support them best and go from there but all of our services are free um, and all very accessible um, so yes it's yeah. well worth making the call. And I think that's critical because uh, look I think there is such a pressure to get parenthood right these days. You know, there is so um, many expectations placed on men and women around how they're going to do or show up to parenthood. Um, you know, I don't think we've ever had a previous generation that's ever had more scrutiny on them and more expectations from them, from the school community, from the health community, um, from their workplace, etc. where they're all expecting them to be, um, you know, um, active parents, you know, contributing yeah. to their children's development and really yeah. putting them front and centre. Um, I don't think there's anyone that would argue these days that we don't see the value in putting children front and centre um, of, of the education system, of the health system and so on. Um, and yet, we, you know, often parents are showing up, having to show up back to work. I think the average return to work is at around seven months. Um, for many, they, they haven't breast, um, the breastfeeding hasn't necessarily, um, you know, been, the baby hasn't been weaned. Um, they may not be sleeping through the night, highly likely. And they're kind of expected to go on 
you know, and then just cope with that juggle in perhaps ways that previous generations haven't had to do. Yeah. And we forget that there's a reason why when you go and get on a plane that they say to put the oxygen mask on the parent first. And that's because the parent needs to be in really good shape to be able to handle the responsibility and, and manage the, the, the you know, the, the best possible outcomes for their children. Um, so looking after mum or dad is really, really a critical part of, you know, giving to the children. Yeah. Yeah. And, and for all of you listening that perhaps don't like to admit that you need help, and let's face it, many of us feel that way, you know, we want to keep up the brave face and we want to be resilient and we want to be independent and all those things. We don't want to be a burden on others. Um, but the reality is if you are in need of help, then it's really important you ask for it. And, you know, I certainly have been in that kind of situation myself pretty regularly, actually. And one of the things, I guess, with twins, you do, you know, you physically definitely need help. Um, so you, I got used to actually asking for it and receiving it pretty early. And I must admit, I don't think I would have survived it if I hadn't had had help. So we all need help. We need to know how to ask for it. We know we need to know how to receive it. And I remember one of the turning points for me in really overcoming, you know, some of that and not feeling that shame around, I can't do this, um, was that moment where I thought, if I don't look after my own health, in other words, prioritise getting out the door um, and doing some exercise, for example, a couple of years after the kids were born, um, then I'm not looking after my own health. And that means I can't be the, you know, the best mum I'd like to be. That means I'm not really role modelling to the children that exercise is important. And what happens if down the track I'm not fit and well? That's going to be a problem for my family. So I no longer felt that sense of selfishness around taking the break that I needed. No, that's it. And I think also just even even down to things like making sure that you're giving yourself the opportunity to get enough sleep. Yeah. Um, you know, sleep is such a key because, it, you know, our, our body recovers every time we go to sleep. So we're going to have more, um, you know, energy in the bank if, we, if we're getting some really good sleep. And if you're sleeping well, then you tend to be more inclined to be eating well. You tend to be more inclined to be able to exercise. motivation levels will will stay you know stronger so I think really attacking sleep and making sure that you're giving yourself a proper wind down um, is really important yeah and not always easy with a small baby demanding your your time and attention through the uh, wee hours of the um the evening which is of course where a lot of this can spiral from um as you say and that's why we're where, where there are partners at play, you know, that, that can support, that's really critical. And I think likewise, you know, if there are grandparents that can help out, you know, even the odd night here or there just to give you a break and let you catch up on sleep, that's really important too. So it's as you mm. say, it's really it's accepting the help and, and also asking for it, telling them what you really want and what you really need. Yeah, I mean, it is no joke when we use the term it takes a village to raise a child. Never has there been a truer term. Um, but I think that we are definitely um, continuing to perhaps live um, and work in communities where um, our village is shrinking, not in fact are growing. And so, and it can feel like it's shrinking when we've had a new baby because we spend a lot of time indoors 
and you know a lot of time you know just keeping our worlds very tight you know trying to manage it all and so it actually doesn't feel less like we've got that village so I think you know part of it is you know how do you continue to recognize there is a village out there it wants to help you Gidget is representative of that Um, you know how do you you make sure you get that sleep and you recognize there's a village around you who can help and learn to ask for that so Arabella final points from you as we you know um, head into perinatal mental health week around how people can uh, get help and look after themselves well the main thing is to recognize that um, you might be finding this a challenging time and to also recognize that it's not a bad thing that it is a challenging time because it's good if you can recognize it and put your hand up and say look I need a bit of extra support I need some help go to the GP or your family and, um, and child health nurse or your midwife, whoever you felt really comfortable with during this kind of period of your life, and just say to them, look, I, I need some help, I need some guidance, um, what can I do here? Um, and, you know, there are services out there, there are people who care, and the community um, will usually come together if people say that they need that they need help. So I would just really encourage people to to not be afraid, not to feel shame or, or, or that denial or fear that we talked about and to really just say, help me, I need a bit of help. <laughs> mm, yeah, I, I agree. Call a friend, as they say, really, really important. So Arabella, thank you very much for being here, sharing this with us today. Great to have this conversation with you and keep up the great work the Gidget Foundation does. Thanks so much. Thank you. Thank you for listening to another great podcast proudly brought to you by Parents at Work. We hope you feel inspired and you've got some fresh practical ideas to help you with your work-life balance. If you like what you've heard, please share it with others and subscribe to the Parents at Work podcast page. And remember, if you need extra support or would like to send us your feedback, please email info at parentsatwork.com.au.